need to like turn Chris away from me. Yeah, are you are you just are you are you I'm, looking at my jewel too much? You trigger me with your jeweling. <laughs> <laughs> let's let, like, let's get Chris just, facing all of us so we can we can engage. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna turn you towards the whole crew. There we go. High quality podcasting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> finest. That's how we do it. Up, Sean. Yo, where's Anthony? Anthony's right there. Oh, there you are. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. With that beautiful body stocking. On the, <laughs> the fishnet, the you know fishnet rum. Weird. I don't really understand why all these Dominican rums have like this fishnet thing. On. Yeah, what's up with that? I have no idea. But I've noticed it for a long time, and you know, when I went down there uh, last week, it was just like the, yeah, the beach was littered. Yeah, the beach. Reading a book about Haiti. Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> the beach was just littered with bottles of Bruegel with like all this fucking like fishnet on it. It was like you know, large jugs of rum. I loved it. It was great. You know, it's amazing. Large jugs. Yes. He's a guy. This is all turning you on, Chris. This is a guy's podcast tonight. You seem real worked up. <laughs> no chicks. <laughs> Rochelle's out of town. Katie's not here. This is this is fucking guy shit tonight. Yeah. We're we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what turns you on? Ah, uh, shit. You, as a matter of fact, in that control shirt. Yeah, you know it's it's a good look. You know. <laughs> You just need to like slip one of these on as a nice yeah. sock, you know. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now that uh, now that our audience is properly, uh, you know, horny. <laughs> uh, Have you guys seen uh, the Fog? The like, John Carpenter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, not yeah. for not for you, many years. You, you know, well, a that movie was filmed in fucking Point Reyes Station, like half hour from where I grew up, which is amazing. But B, I love the fucking that newscaster guy in that movie is Chris. Is me? Yeah, yeah, because wow. because he's got that smooth, sylvan, buttery voice. I don't think of me having a smooth voice at all. You're, you try, you're trying to sound voice. as smooth as you can right now. I don't have a smooth <laughs> voice. Turning <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it up over here. All right, where, where, where do we start? Well, we start with uh, Welcome to Basecamp Beta, episode 10. Um, today, you've got me, Chris. I'm Sean. I'm the other Chris. And we got a special, special guest in the hot seat, Anthony Parasol. What's up? Parasoli. Parasoli. <laughs> Get it straight, bro. Get it straight, dude. <laughs> Come on. I'm not, Bill, I'm, York, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> the, te- the tears are flowing. You can't see them, audience, but Chris is, Chris is, Chris is tearing up right now. My fake Italian heritage has just <laughs> been read, outed. He's supposed to read the bio, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's an E at the end. Uh, you know, we, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. I, I, bum, managed bum, to, bum. I managed to correctly pronounce Doug Lee's uh, N.I. project. Which you I was, did. That was good. I, I, he was like, "You you pronounced it correctly." I'm like, "Wow, there's there was a 50 50 shot that I got that wrong." Yeah. <laughs> and I right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Tony, what's up? Not much, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I don't know. Where do we start? Where do we start? The fog. Where do we start? I know where we start, actually. I know where we start. What's up? The, the Fog is not my favorite uh, Carpenter movie, what by is the your, way. Okay, what, this, what's your <laughs> this is where we're starting. <laughs> let's, let's get that out okay, of the way. Okay, what's your favorite Carpenter movie? I mean, there's always the obvious, but I'm going to... Is the obvious Escape from New York? 
No, it would be Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, there is no obvious when it comes to Carpenter. You could but say then, they, you could but say wait, they wait, live. Wait. You could say. You what know. I was gonna say is, I would say the thing would be my favorite. The thing, the yeah. Thing's amazing. The thing's a classic. The thing, yeah. The, that that's just like honestly one of the best movies ever made, hands down. Like, not, yeah. it just it fucking transcends genre. It's it's a fucking brilliant piece of art. It really is, and the soundtrack is. Oh, of course. Yeah. There, there isn't a bad Carpenter soundtrack until yeah. maybe you get to like what Mission Mission to Mars or whatever. Or? Ooh. Was it- was that, that movie Carpenter? was actually kind of sick. I kind of liked it. I, I I didn't I didn't see it when it came out, and actually I had a couple friends who were like, "No, you should actually see it." But I'll tell you what the most underrated Carpenter film is in the Mouth of Madness. Absolutely right. Yeah, Absolutely that, that is right. that is a good one. It's Absolutely got right. it's got everything you want. It's got Sam Neill, yep. King. It's got. I mean, it's it's fucking amazing. It's I I mean, I the first time I saw that movie, I was like, "Holy shit!" Because you know, you get in like. You watch all the carpenters that everyone knows, yeah. and you're like, right. "Cool, I've trod over this ground. Like, right. I'm, I'm done." And then you're like, "Oh, this one's from '95 or whatever." Yeah. You're like, "Okay, it's probably not. <laughs> yeah, great. Right. It's probably gonna be like a like a third stringer." It's fucked up. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I'm a horror snob, and and uh, I think there's like has it not been a good horror movie in years. Yeah. But the last Halloween was Killer Man, and he was involved in it. Oh yeah, he was involved. I didn't see it. What? I didn't see it either. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Yeah, too, they were right? all in it. It was it was dope, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It was super good. I heard I heard it was good. Um, I'm just bad. I, at I've been out. real disappointed with like horror movies these days. Um, I didn't like The Witch. I thought that was weak. I thought Hereditary it was. O- I thought it was okay. Was also weak. Yeah, everything sucks. Mm. Everything sucks. For real. That's, that's just the way life is these days. Yeah. It, it, I mean, what do you think's missing? I know what it is. Without a doubt, it's because they don't want copycats, mm-hmm. so they don't want to make anything too realistic, and that's why you get <laughs> all these. You're getting everything too oh, para- yeah, yeah, paranormal. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's like paranormal activity or a ghost or some bullshit. Uh-huh. You're never gonna get like a a real version of like Halloween Part One mm-hmm. in 2019. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. someone just killing some people. You know, no, right? more, no, no more Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, you're not gonna get something too. like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, because that that's like that could happen. That 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 probably is happening right now. Yeah, totally. We don't, well, we don't want to think about it because it happens kind of often. <laughs> yeah. So we're just like, Ugh. Uh, yeah. You know. I think in uh, Seoul, Korea, there's a guy that makes really amazing horror movies. Uh, oh, Takashi um, Mike. Okay. But, oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. Hell yeah. But those movies don't really make it out here. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really get to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and they're all in subtitles, so it might lose the, uh, the lose premise a little, a little bit. bit. You lose a little bit of it. You know, what I mean, yeah, yeah, you might yeah. not really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that no, it's totally fascinating. I I think you're probably totally definitely onto something there, for sure. I mean, think about like in the '80s and '70s, how there was like. Just an abundance of like death on screen. Yeah, well, I mean, all the all like <laughs> yeah. all my favorite. I mean, I always go back like you know the shit I watch when I'm just kind of like I have a night. I'm just home. I want to watch something fucked up, you know, and just you know have a fun time. Is usually just like a Giallo movie from the '70s, and yeah. that's just yeah. always just like super stylish and like just some person going around and killing people you know yeah um there's like no there's nothing interesting none of the plots just the cuts (laughs) yeah it's just the cuts you know um it's also got like amazing soundtracks and shit which is why it's so why those movies are so great but uh did you guys watch the new suspiria i didn't watch that i refuse i did too i did too i like took a stand yeah i i didn't watch it a a friend of mine actually worked on it um i i heard it was uh 
if you if you watch it with no expectations and not thinking of the original, it's mm. pretty solid. Hmm. Was what I'd heard. The thing I couldn't okay. get behind was like I was initially like, okay, I will, I'll give it a chance, and then the like lead single by Tom York from it came out, <laughs> oh, and I was yeah. like, no, I'm not, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. Is he moaning on it? Yeah, yeah, he's moaning on it, dude. What happened to that <laughs> fucking guy? Man? <laughs> like an overgrown wimp. I can't take it. <laughs> it's like oh, every man. song is like. Oh. It was Fuck so. Here, it was so bad, and you're just like, dude, like, hey, am I wrong? No, you're, no, you're of course you're. No, you're totally, totally right. right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you can spot a Tom York fucking record a mile away. Yeah, and it just drove me insane because then I was like, oh, he did the whole soundtrack. <laughs> Like it's fuck, be two me. and a half hours of York yeah. moaning. God damn it! And you know, just like especially <clears throat> then, the contrast is hard to ignore. You know, with like the original Goblin soundtrack, which is like right. you basically feel like the walls around you are breathing. Right. You yeah. know, it's like so claustrophobic and fucked up, and you're just like, oh, you know. I mean, it's a classic for a reason, and it totally fits in with like the vibe of the movie. Here, right. like, yeah, I saw the trailer, and then like this Tom York thing, and I was just like, <clears throat> I no way. Like every year that passes, you forget how rad Radiohead once was. It's like every year he gets a little bit older and he gets even more whiny. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it, it, yeah. And he compl- it's like he compl- the distinction between Coldplay and Radiohead just starts, <laughs> it, it, it just dissolves a little bit more each passing year. Yeah, every yeah. passing year, it just becomes yeah. like he hasn't made a record like. You know, Star Spangled Banner, or anything where it's like a little bit gnarly, or just like, like these these tracks don't exist anymore. It's like everything is him crying on a record. Yeah, you know that's true. I haven't listened to Kid A in a long time, but yeah, like some of the tracks on there are pretty weird, um, and definitely not in a way that you would find on any Radiohead record for the. I mean, or like let alone things that like Tom York is on some like Fortet track, and it's just kind of like a little tech house thing with Tom York moaning on it. It's like, oh, cool, I guess. What if we could go back in time and stop Tom York from ever hearing Autecker? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine the world we live in today. This is is your speculative fiction masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) Philip Roth, get your heart out. (laughs) Damn. That that theory definitely maybe tops my uh, horror theory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You, you think we can pitch that to John Carpenter, have him direct? <laughs> <laughs> but John Carpenter needs to listen to Autiker. That's probably I true. Agree. Yeah. He, I, but that dude smokes so much weed, there's no way he hasn't. Probably, yeah. Did you see the pictures of him at Cannes this year? No. Oh, they're amazing. There's, there's, yeah, yeah, he, he, he got the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh. <clears throat> and there's all these pictures of him hanging out with, uh, with Argento. They both oh. look... Uh, I mean, Carpenter looks real high. Right. <laughs> it's sick. I mean, good. Good was, for him. Fucking living the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still doing it, you know? What, what did he say? What, are, what did he say? What are his recent movies? Okay, I say he's still doing it, but I, I, I don't know. He's just well, still he, a badass. He, he did the Halloween. Did he, did, oh, he yeah, directed right, it? Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. right. Did he actually direct that? <laughs> he was deeply involved in it. Right. First, First time producer. Since, producer. Like, I think number three or something I, like that. I, I, I remember reading a quote from him recently about the Halloween movies, like all the remakes, where he was like, I love them. They're great. I think it's amazing. I just sit there 
and then suddenly money appears. <laughs> he's, he's so one of us. I, I, I think what happened... We need to get him on here, dude. I think what happened on the last one was that he got Final Cut. Okay. Oh, okay. And he never had that before. So the movie's like a legit horror movie. There's uh-huh. no, you know, around the bush. It's like yeah, straight yeah. slasher flick. That's cool. Remember he but, did that album too. So he recorded that. With that, that is such a fucking. That's like a beautiful simulacrum right there. Him recording an album of like horror movie soundtracks based on his own horror movie soundtracks from like. 35 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was the first time he was touring them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he toured them all over the world. Yeah. I, I missed it. I wanted to see the one in Berlin, but I I, mm-hmm. I was busy, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a legend. This no is doubt. true. More so than, wow, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> disparage any of the music we talk about, but movies are cool too. We're going to, we're, you know, we like talking about movies. Well, the thing that I wanted to talk about was Minecraft Bearkind. Oh, God. Yeah, I watched that today. Yeah. Did you see this, Anthony? Yes, I did. It's, <laughs> so, it's so I've never been to Bearkind, and I was like, wow, it looks pretty cool in there. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking rad place. I mean, yeah. the, the Minecraft version checks out. Yeah, like it seems legit. I mean, you know, I, have, I wouldn't know, but he didn't go into the offices, so I don't know. But <laughs> I, I have pet peeves about it. Yeah. First of all, everything's not bricks. So, uh, like, okay. as, as you're going like up the stairs from the main floor to, uh-huh. to the dance floor, it's like okay. a, um, you know, like a concrete staircase. Well, it's it's all metal, and what makes that place so unique is all the metal work. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah it makes yeah. it very German, and like it's sick, okay. man. It's it's got like a crazy exterior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the architecture so like, is nailed. So the textures are off. A little bit, yeah, for sure. Okay. But it's it's like you know, it looks like someone did a fucking pound of uh, of speed and went around. To <laughs> notepad, like, oh. He's like, you know, ten feet to the left, there was, uh, you know, a seat well, there where they were fucking. The craziest thing is, I noticed when like the it has like the little like subtitles or whatever. Um, you know, when he goes in, like, oh, he's like, oh, this is the Barricade main room. There's one thing in there where he's like. Uh, this staircase leads to somewhere. I think it's maybe closed on some days, but I don't know. It was open the one day I went. And I was like, well, hold on. You've been to Berghine once? And you built this? <laughs> he he yeah. did spend 127 hours there the one time. I he guess was so, there. yeah. I guess I'm telling so. you, man. He went in there. He yeah. fucking did like a Scarface amount of blow. <laughs> yeah. He had his notepad. He had his notepad and he walked around and he was like looking around, taking specs. Had him, you know, like there's the measuring now on the, on the yeah, iPhone. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. He had his measuring yeah. tool out. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is way too believable. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I liked uh, was that the beginning of the tour, he goes right into the dark room. He's like, "This is where you start." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where his night starts. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, I was pretty impressed. Having been to Berghain, I mean, we've all been there, except I, no, I, except I, you, except I, you. I have not been, but I got. Most of the way there. Today. You got most of the way. It's, you know, it's just like what we were talking about. You know, you could buy a, a Jupiter 8 or you could buy a mini log. And mini log is far, you know, cheaper, about a 120th of the price, but it'll get you 95% of the way there. And, 
you know, you don't have to buy a flight to Berlin. You can just queue up this Minecraft video and put on, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the and it's the, Mar- and the it's Marcel Detman uh, mix CD, and you're good. And what you're <laughs> saying is is that the mini log is the Minecraft bear kind of synths. Basically, <laughs> but, but 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 right. there's a but to this. You're yeah, guaranteed okay. entry on the Minecraft. You are, you are. That's yeah. true. I mean, right, unless right. unless there's no some, guest list needed. Well, unless there's right. some region right. restrictions on your YouTube, in which case you may encounter some. You know, I don't know. Gamer knocks you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always a possibility. Did you guys watch the uh, Marshmallow Fortnite concert? Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> Wait, you did? No, not not the whole thing. I just saw like the the, the clip. It was it was. It was like I watched big, the whole thing. It was a big deal. I heard. It was great. It was, it, yeah, it's, it, it was like 10 million people worldwide were attending, in air quotes, this <laughs> concert at once. Wait, so it was in... I, it was in Fortnite, Marshmallow okay. played, air quotes, a concert, air quotes. Chris's mind is blown right now. this work? <laughs> I just saw his entire head explode. <laughs> and I'm the youngest one in the room. Uh, yeah, I should I know, know what I, know. I should know what's going on here, but you I just should, you should get this, Chris. I don't. You're a millennial. Yeah, I I have no. It's yeah, it's totally blown my. Blown well, I've my got mind. the jewel, so you know I'm. So if I need some extra mind blowing, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll get that e jewel. Maybe you can meet me in Fortnite, and we can. Yeah, exactly. And I can smoke your jewel, Very and does that work? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it, that's really weird. There's a, I mean, what do you, I mean, what do we think there is to like this sort of virtual clubbing experience? Because it's certainly becoming a thing, you know? Yeah. That's what Um, Boiler Room is. Yeah. I mean, Boiler Room, that's what it is. And a lot of people are, I feel like getting their clubbing experiences vicariously through that. And it's really only a matter of. It's part of the implosion. Yeah. 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 yeah, Yeah. I mean. It's part of, I mean, you certainly can't have a real human interaction on on these things, even if we do get to the stage of it being a sort of uh, virtual reality thing where you, you know, maybe you're, you know, you can be in like a little... You're saying chat rooms aren't aren't real human interaction? <laughs> I mean, if they are to you, I, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to like you know shit on any of your re- important relationships that you've made over... I mean, uh, I think they are. I basically fucking grew up on IRC and... Look how I turned out. So great. So well, that's true. Very well adjusted individual. Very well adjusted. Um, no, no. I, I mean, I think I think for for well for 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 millennials and you know, uh, I I think for a lot of people, I think for people who grew up with the internet, interact interaction on digital platforms is basically the same as real face to face interaction. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no. There is no boundary. But do we think it's really the same? I mean, I... Well, it's not the same. I mean, I grew up with the internet. You know, I'm... Well, I'm turning 30 next week, but, you know, I'm I'm safely a millennial. Grew up with the internet. Grew up with... Safely a millennial? Yeah, I mean, I grew it's up... so inside the millennial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's face, the, let's face reality, dude. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm young, Anthony, is what I'm saying. Very young, so, solidly a millennial. Solidly a me- millennial. indisputably millennial. Yeah, all, all, all this shit that's going on. All right, like boiler room. Yeah, festivals, 
whatever, whatever virtual nonsense that or, or yeah. experiences that are going on, every time you take a little bit out of the nightclub mm-hmm. makes this industry less and less sustainable. Yep. Yeah, no, I totally – Facts. I totally agree. Well, I mean, but a lot of the boiler room stuff happens in real clubs and increasingly happens. It's increasingly happening now less in clubs. But yeah, and it's also, it's a replacement of the experience for people who would otherwise go to clubs. So it's like people at this point are now trained to watch a boiler room as opposed to go out to the club on the weekend. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a surrogate for clubbing. If anything, like it's going to be exposing not to stand for boiler room, but it's going to be exposing uh, more people to, you know, the, the nightlife experience that, that in a lot of, in a lot of places, in a lot of regions, they're not going to have access to that culture. They're not going to have access to those things. Um, you know, it, 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 the most charitable reading, I think, is that it is it is kind of a, you know, it is sort of proselytizing uh, certain kinds of nightlife to people. I who- mean, I think that, 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 that is a possible charitable reading, but I also think that for the generation of people who, there's a whole generation of, especially Americans, who discovered dance music essentially through Boiler Room. Yeah. And Boiler Room is their rubric for what a party is. And they don't really ever think they wouldn't even think to go out to the club on the weekend because like, it's just a different thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like every year that passes and everything gets like a little bit bigger. Right. So like, let's say yeah. boiler room gets a little bit bigger or this like virtual stuff gets bigger or like now you have Fortnite doing this thing is getting bigger. Yep. It's taken away from the actual going to a venue. I, I again, yep. I, I, I don't, I don't see this as a zero sum thing. I don't think people like watch a boiler room thing Instead of going to the club, well, no, you don't, because you don't stay at home. Are, are you don't happening. stay at home, drink half a bottle of liquor, wait, wait, let me, take let me, some ecstasy, and turn on boiler. Let me, room. Let me tell you what, what's going on. What's happening is that's replacing those parties in it real is. time. Those part. So when you're watching a boiler room, usually they're against, let's say, a, a club that's supposed to be having a club night. So like they're picking a venue or they're picking like their own like outside space. I guess or they're, I, or they're doing a stage well, at I mean, a, a festival. Lot, a, a lot of times, boiler rooms are on. The weeknights that you know, there's no clubbing happening per se. A lot, um, of, a lot of stuff is happening now. Uh, coincide with with festivals. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's yeah, all, and, it's all tied together. And also, I mean, the boiler room experience. Like those parties are terrible. Like I've <laughs> never had a good time because the parties are fucked up. The way in which the crowd uh, orients itself to the music, the way the the crowd orients itself to each other um, is all sort of watched over by this glowing eye of, yeah. of the but boiler room. And you if know, that's all you know, then that's what you think club culture is. And I think there's an entire generation of people who are discovering, quote unquote, club culture through watching boiler room type videos. And I think... Right, so they're already preconditioned to like the panoptic hellscape that is, uh, right. that, yeah, that right. is club. Well, you know, it's like... <laughs> Of course there are security guards. There's cameras everywhere. Now it's, you know, now it's part of it. Yeah. So like, you know, I've never uh, said no to a boiler room. Well, I have, but, you know, it's like, what is it? Eight years now, boiler room's been going on. So now you have a, an like entire that. generation of kids exactly. that are buying exactly. buying music or, or participating that doesn't know life without boiler room. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you're totally right, though, that a lot of these boiler room parties, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, there have been a lot of boiler room events this year so far that have just directly uh i mean because of course there's a lot of com- competition in, in a city like new york but you know have directly competed with a lot of events in new york and have totally eaten up uh you know the majority of i don't know a lot of like the crowds 
it's everywhere though. It's not just yeah, you know, yeah, no, it's for not, sure. Yeah. It's not exclusive here. And that's a worldwide thing. It's a know? worldwide thing. Yeah. You know, I, New, York, playing, is, New York is so oversaturated anyway, though. I mean, I, no, I know. I don't yeah. think I don't think Boiler Room is a particularly at fault there. Like, no, it's like not. This, it's not just Boiler just, Room. It's just part of right. It's just the most visible manifestation of this phenomenon yeah it's all tied yeah. together man that's all it is it's like yeah boiler room festivals things yeah. that are like eating away from what what makes this thing sustainable yeah it is, totally. is it's eating away from it well yeah. the thing that makes boiler room particularly pernicious is you know the sort of that was a big word yeah the, that was uh, very impressive <laughs> <laughs> you know we try you know if any of our listeners out there are studying for the sats you know uh like to Dr. have a lot Miller with your GRE practice. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, I know, we got a lot of Zoomers out there, a lot of Gen Z listeners. You know, we want to, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, but you know, especially like with something like Boiler Room. I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, Boiler Room is now a play, pay to play thing, right? Um, and so when you're talking about sustainability, like, yeah, if you can't, if you kind of need the Boiler Room thing, the logo on your party to sort of give your party legitimacy and you can't get that unless you pay them well then what what you know what chance does a small promoter yeah. have i mean so like my, my thing is this it's real real simple i'm not anti anything yeah yeah like i'm not anti spotify i'm not anti boiler room my issue is when if you're on a seesaw right and now it starts to tip this everything one way yeah and that's what happened now. So now it's 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 too much on one side. Yeah, yeah. And now that everything is on one, it's too much on one side. You're you're seeing the effects of that where clubs are shutting down all over the world. Mm -hmm. yep. If clubs are gone, man, there's nowhere to work. Yeah, like you just can't rely on being part of the festival circuit. That's just impossible. I mean, clubs, everyone's going to play the festivals. It's yeah, it's not going to happen. Clubs or access to like good DIY spaces, you know, um, anything like that, which you know. But I the mean, thing about the, hard, DIY, you know? DIY is great. Only like to a point, like a squat parties won't m make a career out of somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so much to go around. There's a lot of risk. You know that that's not the sustainable business model. It's like you, we need clubs, and clubs got to exist. And like the young audience don't, don't. I don't think they understand that. I mean, the idea of like a central place where people to, can like, go to, music. to hear music, totally. You know, yeah. just reliably every Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, that's like a critical institution for any. Yeah, man. City Th there's a reason why Paradise Garage is like admired to the point where like there's still T-shirts being made for it. Yeah, you know, it's like you build a community. You know, it's in-house. You have your, your the talent that you love. You fall in love with Larry Levon. You look at it. You admire him. You, you might treat him like a god, whatever. But you know, every week it was reliable. And mm -hmm. if you don't have an every week spot, like now, you know, obviously the industry is different. Yeah. But like if you don't have an every week spot for people to go and congregate and like have drinks. It makes it very unsustainable. Or as a DJ to like flex your muscles, you know, I mean, we on the show have talked before about Ron Hardy and uh, Baldelli. You know, these are DJs who played the same place every week and basically invented new genres of music because they were there. They had to play mu new music every week to the same crowd. And, you know, they just kind of were getting all this shit from everywhere and just kind of through all of that, you know, played different thing you know baldelli playing some brazilian shit next to a gong track or you know ron hardy you know playing some weird disco edit you know all these things 
then went to create whole new musical genres because you know they they were you know they there was this place where everyone was going to listen to music a dj was digging you know it's like this very critical thing that uh yeah we we, i mean we just don't really it's it's totally gone away in the digital world that we're living in right now only the top tier is making the money Mm -hmm. right so like the top tier meaning like uh, if Spotify is going to pay people, who's going to get that money first? It's going to go to fucking Kanye West. It's going to go to Jay-Z. It's going to go to Beyonce. And then it's going to go down to the electronic artists. And who's the first electronic artist that's going to get it? The one with the best fucking lawyers. Calvin Harris. You know, David Guetta. The people who can you really... Mean, you mean the best that. musicians. The best musicians. Well, I'm not going to knock Calvin Harris, but... Cream you know. rises to the top. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Okay. But you know what? Let's look at it. I don't want to call him underground, but like on an underground level, you know, like Aphex Twin. You know, yeah, obviously he's got fucking a shit ton of lawyers, but he's getting paid at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that gives you light at least and some levity to be like, oh, maybe we can collect that money even though, I mean, I had like a million, I think, hours of listening on my Spotify. I made like $40 mm-hmm. on streaming. <laughs> it's like absurd. Yeah. <laughs> 40, 40 bucks that's is pretty good. At that point, honestly, why even bother? Just keep it. Like, just keep it, dude. You know, it's crazy, man. I mean, I... I feel like that's the biggest issue, but you know bo- that's all tied together. Where the you know boiler room yeah. is connected to this digital world, you know yeah, that, yeah, what that sure. we're in right now. I don't know, man. I don't know what the answers are, but it's like they need to be figured out soon. We're definitely in like uh, you know we're we're definitely in the sort of William Gibson neuromancer like cyber hellscape where you jack in and it's just even your music. Is just like all these corporate, you know, and you know, you try to, you try to maybe download the, yeah, you try to download one, you know, you try to download one weird track, and you're gonna meet a lot of ice, you know, all the, the weird Gibson like, uh, antivirus, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about the world that we're living in is it's so much more banal than like. Oh yeah. Cyberpunk dystopia that we were promised. It's cyberpunk without all the cool shit. Yeah, no, I thought yeah, I was going to be like, we got the Matrix meets Kafka is what we got. Like, <laughs> I thought shit. it was going to be. I thought it's it was endless gonna be bureaucracy and yeah, Yo, straight up, man. There is no punk anymore. There's no underground. Yeah, no, I that mean, shit is gone, man. Like, yeah. don't tell me you're underground and you have a fucking yeah. Instagram. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You know, oh, you have a Facebook fan page. Oh, you do? Yeah, well, you're not on the ground. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Sorry. It's a very different thing. Yeah, for sure. You know. Well, again, we've we've talked about this a bit on the podcast, but because like because digital digital platforms have made um, uh, have engendered this really flattening effect. Where you access all of these different, uh, all of these different, you, you access everything through through the same channels. Yeah. So so people are conditioned to think of the example I always pull up is Bo Wanzer is the same thing as Rihanna, uh, <laughs> because hundred percent. I mean, like, 100%. like the, the, yeah. I mean, you you you, you watch them both on YouTube. You yeah. you read about them both on Fact Mag. Yeah. You you re- listen read about them on Fact Mag. Like, like the, you access all of this information through the same channels. We yeah. all live in the same world now. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's yeah. what's going on, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, we want to pretend that we're all underground. That's over, man. Yeah. F- just forget it. Like, it's, n- it's just not true. You know, I, I hate to put it so bluntly, but it's just real. It's just reality. You have to face reality. No, you're, I mean, you're totally right. Um, I mean, that, yeah, that... Well, yeah, that's something we've been talking about a bit on here, trying to figure out what what underground could mean, uh, you know, now. Because, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, certainly if if you're sort of vying for the same Facebook 
space as everyone else, it's not really underground. Yeah, you know, you kind of have to re, you know, you have to do something actually outside of the system where, you know, right now music totally takes place on all the same, you know, platforms. And Facebook, I mean, there is, you know, there is a good side to that. Like, I meet, you know, I meet twenty-two-year-old kids who post like Spotify links to Travis Scott, and then I'll like have a conversation with them, and they know who like Mesh and Zusheng are, and I'm like. Okay, I wouldn't expect that, but that's kind of cool. So there are, yeah. there, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's some goods. No, there's, yeah. there's great. It's just navigating through it. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, exactly. and and like yeah. I was saying before, like I'm not anti anything. So yeah. like the only problem today that I see is what I, I've been like referring as the implosion is that we're losing nightclubs. Yeah, and if there's nowhere to work when there's no festivals happening, that's a real yeah. scary place, man. That we're we're entering. And you see, like, there's been a countless ma- amount of venues that, that have shut down in the, in the last like two years. There's been a lot, yeah. There's been yeah. a lot, you know. And 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 rather people like it or not, losing output is not fucking good for North America. Yeah, mm. agreed, agreed. Yeah, you know, like rather you, you know maybe you don't want to par- par- party there or, or partake, but for it to be completely off the map, that is not healthy for the community, man. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, what else do you see as part of this implosion that you're talking about? I mean, how else do you see uh, other than the sort of slowly disappearing clubs well the problem is is besides that it's like how do music makers make money right right before when i started deconstruct or when i started the corner you know i was able to sell units and make money and like keep it afloat and pay artists and like you know everyone got paid even if it wasn't like a killing they still paid and the label broke even the the label fed itself yeah yeah you know and like it stayed active and everyone you know wanted to work with me and we all kept going and fed fed itself now it's like basically if you're making music and you're putting it out you're operating you're like, at a loss unless you, yeah you're operating you're basically yeah. taking 3000 plus and yeah, you're throwing exactly. it in the, in the ocean it might Absolutely. be more fun taking the money taking a helicopter up and just <laughs> dropping it because that, that's <laughs> more fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's that's our next release, dude. <laughs> <laughs> up in the sky and drop a fucking truckload like a fucking trunk load of money in the air and be like yo this is our hit single. It's single right here. I'm you. No, you, 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 you drop the money, you look into the camera, you take a big pull from your jewel. Yo, I could, yeah. <laughs> I could tell you what. I got some contacts. I could hook up Boiler Room. They'll film the whole fucking thing. Boiler, boiler Room. I'm telling you, man. We could, I could line this up. That yeah. would be sick. That'd right be over me. the Hudson. Here's my new release. <laughs> Be be super KLF. Oh, uh, to be so badass. <laughs> Sponsored by Nike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to, to to rewind just a little bit, one thing we've talked about on the podcast uh, just pretty briefly is how, um, you know, this is going back to like the 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 what we're losing when we lose nightclubs, and uh, one thing we've talked about that I th- I think is very interesting is how. Uh, especially when you're you're DJing in Europe uh, as like a techno DJ, you are uh, basically like you're basically like um, a part of the service industry. You're there, and you're not that far removed. What you're doing is not that on a certain level not that far removed from what the bartenders are doing, the bouncers. Uh, you know, you are there making sure something happens at a certain time and and catering to a certain crowd who's, 100%. Who, who has certain expectations. And if you're good, right? You can keep the fucking room moving so that the bar can keep ringing drinks. Yes, yeah, of course. Kind of like the idea of r- in reality. I mean, I mean, that's your that's job. What, that's what I say is that the 
the music industry, in particular, the electronic music industry, is a subsidiary of the alcohol industry. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. We can't run if people aren't buying drinks. Like, that's the fucking end of the day. You're there. That party exists. So people will drink alcohol. I mean, there's been some exceptions to this rule. You know, there's been some clubs that had no no alcohol, like uh, yeah. uh, Shelter Vinyl in New York City, right? You know, and stuff like that. But these are like, how did they you know, operate? Like, what was their model? The business model they had, you know, juices, they had some food, uh, you know, door entry. So okay. and, and uh, they survived well because they had great parties. So like, yeah. I think you know it goes. See, the problem was there used to be some like zoning law in New York City, and the people that had the licensing over a certain amount of capacity was uh, wetlands, was on the corner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you guys know wetlands? <laughs> no, wetlands was this legendary like rock punk spot. And uh, they had like a little like Volkswagen bus in the front when you'd walk in. And then uh, they would always have like up and coming bands. They had Nirvana, Pearl Jam. We're talking about like super early in their careers. You know, and then they had like real punk groups and even hip hop groups. Like they had the roots like in the 88 when they were just like a, a jazz band, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, they had the liquor license and basically the building was connected and vinyl, shelter, whatever it was, you know, whatever life it was. And they never had an alcohol license. And uh, they had amazing parties, man. You know, those parties were all based around the music. You know, Danny Tenegio on a Friday. You had Timmy Shelter on Saturday. Mm-hmm. NASA. That NASA was at, at Vinyl. Okay. Which was like one of the original techno parties in the, in America. And then you had Bonnie and Soul. So, you know, they, they were all music driven. Right. You know, and they were packed. I mean, that's something also that's increasingly hard to do now is to have a party that is oriented actually around a specific, like, musical aesthetic. Yeah, totally. Um you know, with this, uh, with this flattening, with uh, you know, um, with the digital platforms, um, you know, people are very encouraged to play within a, a very in- increasingly narrow set of parameters. Um, you know, what, what I usually refer to is basically like kind of a mainstream underground crypto, crypto tech house. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> crypto tech house, you're off your rocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is actually how I talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is how he talks. It's, you know, it's a chore. <laughs> I know Sean forever, and he's been this way ever since. Yeah. It's like, changed. <laughs> you know, I, I try to be consistent. Uh, Anthony, you and I were talking a little bit yesterday about um, the fact that uh, also the music has become very flat. Um, the music kind of in a lot of these clubs has become completely filled up in the frequency spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, there seems to be just no room in the frequency domain. It's just kind of like completely plastered over. And then also in the time domain, it's totally like compressed so that there's also no sort of variation really in the time domain. So like you basically have music that's now this it's completely block. filled up block. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it's just totally like, to me, it's totally exhausting to listen to, but it also removes any possibility of a sort of groove or funk that would be in the sort of in those elements like changing in time, you know, like the basics of rhythm where, you know, like rhythm's supposed to have all of these elements like change in time right. and like, you know, create something. It not only becomes super flat in like the frequency and like the acoustic space, but also very flat in the like 
what your body responds to because then the dancing to all the music is very just like boo boo you know very flat yeah when you're and, djing <clears throat> i guess when they're djing that way when you're listening on the floor they're not introducing um uh, introducing i just made up a word they're not introducing sounds you know what i mean so like yeah. it's like boom fader up full brick wall everything's jammed together every frequency is jammed together kick out because the other kick was already in and then they pull it out and then that's the, that's the mix yeah. there's nothing yeah. there there's no, that's not DJ I mean it's DJ I guess technically but it's right. not like you know you're not creating or mixing you know you're not you're, that's not to me it's not mixing but yeah. what, whatever you're not, you're, not, what you're, not, you're not blending two tracks together to create something that's greater than the, the right the, you're not doing all the parts yeah 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 you know you parts. might as well just have your iPod on shuffle right yeah yeah I mean that's what it feels like and especially you know with not to shit on like uh, record box or any of the sort of technologies that exist there because you know it's just kind of what everyone uses now and it can be used like any technology to do really great things and make your job as a DJ easier to construct you know like put all your music together by whatever you know you want to do or it can also be used to just kind of collapse the space and just be like okay well everything's going to be you know like very uh, basically the same for the next three hours yeah um, I think I think we we touched on this a little bit on the show too, but I think uh, the longer format partying is is also sort of a culprit here. Where like, um, you know, I, I do feel like in cities like like New York and London, for instance, where partying goes for six hours, but often really more like three and a half to four of like real partying. Once everyone shows up, yeah, um, where you you. you you have to pack a lot more movement, a lot more dynamic uh, change in a smaller period of time. Uh, you know, um, with with like the festival model where there's, you know, there's music going continuously for, you know, however many days. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's actually less room for, for, for dynamic then. Yeah, I mean, in the last few, I don't know, five years, let's say, whatever it is, maybe more, I don't know. Once they started stockpiling lineups in the nightclub so when you had like local dj number one local dj number two supporting headliner act number three international supporting headline and then you know international headlining act the real headliner number four dj number one mr local this is his time to shine he's yeah. gonna come in and he's gonna bang yeah. it out 140 bpms boom <laughs> then the next guy comes in it's 140 bpms then the international talent comes on and it's like yo where do i go <laughs> what the fuck just, yeah 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 you're totally right you know and then you know sometimes you know they, they play your own music you know that you've might have made that you might you might have wanted to play which is cool i guess you know that you want, should be honored that they're doing that but you know, sometimes it's like, you know, maybe that's not a great idea, you know, mm -hmm. or like, you know, you just released this track or whatever. And this stuff happens, man. You know, or like they check your track list, you know, your track listings and they play similar stuff. But, you know, that's what happened. Like somewhere around, I think, Sullivan Room in New York City, they had this model and there was like four or five DJs and the club shut at six. And then every club started carrying it. And, and mm -hmm. there used to be a time when it was only one DJ or two DJs max. Yeah. And once you started stockpiling lineups, man, people w were going out for theirs. Like, there's no, like, the, the days of, like, a proper opening set, that's gone the, the way of the dodo, man. Yeah, the days of, like, a good four-hour opening set and then setting up the other, the one other DJ yeah. who's then going to play the last four hours. Yeah, I mean, that's just not happening these days. I mean, I, I don't blame the people playing anymore, you know, f going in with that mindset, like, kill or be killed. 
you know, because they don't, they'll, they'll, their baseline arguments like, I don't know who's listening. Fair. Who am I to, to judge that, right? Yeah. You know, but there's no, there's no room. Like, I just played somewhere recently, and the person before me was beating it, like, 142, and, like, left it there. That's, like, you know, how, how it ended. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> I guess one thing, too, like, speaking of kind of, like, a, um, kind of industry, industry implosion, uh, BPMs have definitely been going up lately, um, as we see, like, you know, even, like, Gabber and Hardcore having a bit of a, 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 a moment, uh, you know, like also like harder, harder trance stuff that pushes 150 BPM is more, uh, you know, kind of in vogue. And uh, for me, this, this reminds me a lot of the late 90s when the BPMs crept up again. And, uh, you know, um, with techno, you, you had like, like the Swedish hard loop techno that was just like, just like there, there's no, no room for anything. It was just like yeah. a, a, a brick of beats um and that was sort of that was that was the environment that prefigured the collapse that happened then in you know 99 2000 2001 when when all the clubs closed and uh you know all the you know the 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 first great death of rave in 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 america i mean i think you're right sean i don't disagree with you but i also think at the same time there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening in the low bpm range and i think people are starting to like to really clue into that like you know, the obvious go-to for me is like the Dusseldorf crew, the Toulouse Latrax, Lena Willikins, Vladimir Ivkovich. Yeah, These yeah. guys are all playing like trippy, fucking weird, weird ass dance music. And it's usually like 100 to 110. And people go crazy for it. That's I'm, the shit that I'm responding to these days. That's, yeah, yeah. That, I'm, I mean, that's I, yeah, where my head's at. I'm I'm a big fan of uh of of you know Cosmic Time. Um, and like Sean, you just put out that remix of some French techno artist whose name I have no idea, but it's 105 BPM and it bangs harder than anything I've heard in fucking years. So. Sean remixed "I Hate Models" is what he did. <laughs> <laughs> the name, uh, the that, name is similar though. What is it like? I, I no know. no it was the uh, um uh, it's on Rengain. Yeah, the, the, the remi- right. it's, it's a remix of Percent. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, that that is that that's a Bangor. That's a Bangor main. Yeah, that was me trying to channel like the the old Mill Plateau uh, Electric Ladyland compilation. Yeah, okay, so you're making yeah, Mill Plateau now. Work. So we are in 2000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is all playing right into Sean's argument. You realize? Yes, yeah, right. That's true. You're right. Um, no, no. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of uh, the lower BPMs. And when I DJ these days, either I play. You know, 180, 200, or I play at you know 100 BPM, 110 yeah. BPM, um, and nothing in between. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like well, like like talking about the 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 Dusseldorf crew, like you know, they they've also just been doing that forever. I mean, for, like sure for years and years and uh, years and years. Salon, 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 salon closed recently, right? The last two years. Yeah, but I think just for like just. For renovations or something, I don't think. Oh, it's okay, from, okay. I, I could I, be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that 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 kind of little counter current has been running for a pretty long time. Um, yeah, and has always been sick, for sure. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I I do think you're right that we're sort of, I mean, both you, Sean, in terms of talking about BPMs rising and and sort of hitting yeah. this two thousand 
uh, era, you know, style kind of uh, loop techno kind of thing. And Anthony, you talking about this sort of implosion thing happening at the same time. It really does feel like we're sort of looking at, yeah, another sort of, uh, I don't know, another sort of, yeah, just just sort of major contraction. Total uh, saturation. In the industry, yeah. A mix. Only, only this time it's coupled with total ecological collapse. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was always happening. That's true. Should we, uh, should we take some calls? Yeah. Let's take Let's some calls. So first on the line, we got Joe from Paramus. Uh, Joe, you're on the air. Hey, Base Camp Beta. This is Joe, Paramus, New Jersey. First time, long time. Yeah, Tony, just wanted to ask what your thought was about Vatican Shadows trade over to Bearkind. Seems like kind of a weird move to me, but I don't know. Wanted to get your thoughts. I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for for the call, Joe. Um, you know, <laughs> well, Joe, I mean, you know, you're trying to pin me against my friend. Is that what's going on here? I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> I don't. I think that's what you're trying to do. I to don't me? think Joe's trying to pin anyone against anyone. You know, just you know, bringing it up. You know, just trying to see what you know. As usual, you know, our callers are going to try to start some shit, so, you know. But, uh... Well, it was well thought out. <laughs> it, was well, it was well thought out. Oh, he, he definitely had some points. Yeah. Um, he shouldn't have hung up so fast, because I would like to have... You want to have a back, to, back yeah, and forth? Yeah, I would have definitely had some questions for him, and why he thought that, uh, you know... Well, I mean, Joe was just being a coward, you know, he wanted to take his answer off the air, so, you know... I don't know, maybe... We have another caller. Um, maybe he can stay on, on the air. Uh, we got Mike from Merrick. Uh... <laughs> Hi, Mike. Mike, what's up? Yeah, base camp. Tony, this is Mike from Merrick. And I've really had it up to here with that prick Dolan. He's made a laughing stock of the Knicks of New York. It's made me ashamed to call myself a Knicks fan. However, I heard a song from his band, you know, heard it the other day at the Garden, and I got to say, I really dug the smooth rock sound Dolan's got going. Usually not a fan of uh, these vanity projects by, you know, corporate billionaires or whatever, but I do love blues rock fusion. I still want Dolan to run to hell for trading away that ungrateful schmuck Porzingis, but I can't get these tracks out of my head. Wanted to see what you base camp boys thought about it. Thanks. JD in the straight shot. JD in the straight shot, yeah. Uh. <laughs> JD in the straight shot. Yeah, it's, uh, J it's uh, uh, James Dolan's uh, group. You know he's being sued by Madison Square Garden? Yeah, it's really funny. Because he's spending too much time with his band? It's for not spending enough time, like, actually running <laughs> the MSG network that's and the MSG sick. franchises. Yeah, yeah. That's real. I heard last year he I forced have, all enough. the beat writers and the team to go to his show in New oh, York. Oh, shit, really? Sick. Yeah. That's a power move. That's a fucking a power, power move. move. God damn it. That's <laughs> so <a> cold. <laughs> <laughs> you want your credentials? You got to come, motherfuckers. <laughs> How many people called in with medical emergencies? <laughs> oh, man. God. He's as gangster as they come, man. Dolan is fucking cold-hearted, man. You don't give a fuck. You see no. what he did? To, you ever see, you, did you see the video, what he did to the fan? I mean, I've seen definitely a handful of videos of him being James Dolan and being very, let's say, thin-skinned. Yeah, like a fan went to him, sell the team, sell the team. And he stopped the kid. And well, kid, he's like probably, you know, 30s or 40s. He goes, come here, come here, what's your name? And the guy goes, Tom. 
He goes, Tom, you like getting matched security guard? And he goes, yeah. He goes, hey, Bill. And Bill's like a security guard standing up there. Come grab these motherfuckers that never allowed in here ever again. <laughs> ever again. God and damn. Him, and he took them out. <laughs> it's all on video. Uh. Pulling his gangster move. He's like, yeah, yeah, those two. Right there. Them two. Smile, guys. You're out. <laughs> wow. God. Yeah. Dolan. Power moves. He's a fucking gangster, man. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, well, I mean, the music though, it's it's great. We love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. <laughs> you could sample it. We could sample it, yeah. Make a hit record. Oh boy. Yeah, but then I'd get sued. You would get sued. I would get fucking sued. You definitely get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know I'm not denying that. <laughs> but what a way to go. Lawyers. What a way to go. Yeah. He, he's got lawyers. I guess so. I bet he gets paid by title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dolan gets paid, not that he needs to. But I mean, you know, in the in the future uh, in the future of music, Dolan is the only kind of person who can who can make music. You know. Yeah. I mean, look, he's got almost three hundred thousand views. Who would ever what dunk a- it? <laughs> Dude, yeah, these fucking yeah. Moroccan trap artists we were listening to last week—they've got like, you know, fucking three times the views of that shit. Oh my what god! What about Goldman DJ? What's that guy's name? Oh, the Goldman DJ. What is his name? Dinox? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, something like that. Yeah, it's fucked up. Dinox. He's like a Goldman vice president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a DJ. Yeah, I heard about this guy. Fuck, I can't remember either. That was pretty sick. Yeah. Watch out, Tony. Uh, they're coming for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to fight these dudes off one by one, man. They're coming out of the woodworks. I yeah. think, is, is it the mountain? Who's the, Who in Kings, Kings of Throne, Games of Throne. He's yeah. a DJ. One of them is a, a DJ. Oh, Hodor. Oh, He's the DJ. Hodor. Yeah, Hodor, right. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one. That's and th- fucking brand synergy right there. Got it. You know, one of us should have really gotten a guest spot on Game of Thrones. Really could have done a lot for our careers. And there's another motherfucker, too. That's a, that's a star. Uh, Alex Jones? No, not Alex Jones. It's uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Idris Elba. He's dead serious about it, man. Yeah, but he's cool. He's cool. Right. He's right. a good Every, actor. Everybody likes The Wire. Yeah, and yeah, he, exactly. And, and uh, 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 Elijah Derek. Wood's like a disco DJ, right? Oh, yeah, it's he's true. Like hanging yeah. out of day one all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I never seen him there. I, I think Ozzy Osbourne's son is like a legit techno DJ. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like for real. Like mm. like playing proper shit. Oh, okay. I feel I, like the next step is for a bunch of us techno people to open our own investment bank. Ah, ah there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> online banking. <laughs> what you mean, like discogs? Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, should we take the one last call? Yeah, one last call. All right, we got one last call. Uh, Jim, Jim, you're on the air. Yeah, bass cramp, Jim from Bayside. <clears throat> Sean will probably have some dumb shit to say about this, but the 1996 Sineways starting lineup was the best techno lineup in history. Seven homers. You got Damon Wilde batting a 95 average. Two incredible no-hitters from the rookie Norman, whoever the hell he is. Blue Max, Function, Mark Bell was on loan from Warp for the season. I, I just feel like New York techno doesn't get the respect it deserves, and it's a shame. Sign, sign wave was sick in uh in in 96 for sure yeah uh you know uh strange that jim called talking about sign wave because in fact the the track i was thinking about talking about on this episode was uh actually a sign wave record from 1996 if you can believe That's, it what a coincidence yeah i know it's crazy um 
the track being uh one, my, one would say kismet yeah yeah it's just <laughs> this cosmic shit that happens man you know can't predict it um the tracking question being uh being by norman uh on his first record uh ever on sine wave 1996 the track is uh called green room Um, so yeah, uh, Norman on sine wave track uh, Who's Norman? is Green Room. You know, I don't know. Um, it could be like anybody. Maybe. Yeah, I, I assume it's it's Damon Wild. Yeah, because the, uh, a lot of these are like multi aliases from the same people. Like, yeah, I think like because uh, there was a bunch of Joey Beltram records that yeah, like just Clint got Frazier. revealed. Yeah, those yeah. just got sort of un, you know, and yeah. no one knew who the fuck did them for. Yeah, he was so prolific, man. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that this is Joey Beltram. It very possibly could be. It could be, yeah. Um, His dogs tells me that it's some guy named Norman Santos. Yeah, but, you know, it, could, again, it, could, it totally could also just be a friend of the crew who put out two records and vanished. But, yeah. My, I mean, my my guess would just be that it's Damon Wilde, if, you know, if, you know. Just given other shit on the label. And given given what Damon Wilde was making then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given the fact it's on Signwave. Um, yeah. It, but yeah, it, this, it, it has a lot of his signatures, but it's it's a killer track. Yeah, this one I chose. I mean, I I've you know been playing this record for my entire existence as a techno DJ. It's just it's one of my favorites. This one, and then uh, I mean the whole EP is great. This one, and then there's a track on the B side called uh, "Wind Tunnel," um, which is a bit more. I know it's a bit it's a bit more of like a a stomper. Let's say um, this one uh, is a bit more of a groover. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this one to me, it just it 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 does scream that like decidedly New York style of techno. Yeah, of like 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 mid nineties New York techno. Like, why, Sean? It has a certain swing to it that I don't think you would find from <clears throat> Detroit or Berlin releases in a similar style from from a similar era. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, not that I think I know a lot of the technique that they were using was uh, that was like the way they were sampling. Mm-hmm. So they were using, uh, I think, an S900. Is it the S900? S900. The Akai? Yeah, it would make the sense. With the SP1200? Yeah. And that's how they were getting those those swings and the triggers. Mm-hmm. So, so the, like, that wasn't actually in 909? Could be. I mean, that, I'm not saying that that was. I'm right. talking about it in general. That's like how Just a lot the feel, of them, yeah. Yeah, a lot of those records were coming in that. And it, I mean, because that, that doesn't sound like a sampled 909 to me, but... Uh, but yeah, that 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 is interesting. Yeah, because if you look at all their pictures of like back in the day in their old in the, the studios, they're all they had loads of samplers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these guys were doing sampling like way before anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it would be like they had like an SH one hundred one and like a you know a rack mount rompler and yeah three samplers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know this track is like just that kind of fucked up SH one hundred one lead in this track. Yeah, just uh, the the sort of space in it, the sort of groove that it builds. Um, yeah, I think they were using the Pro One. Pro One is that the original? 
sequential search. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the this pro could one be is, a pro one. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of that being used in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It makes me think about how you guys were talking about earlier about how there's so much like wall of sound techno today. Yeah, and how, and how different that track is because it's like it's really balanced, it's really dynamic, and it has these little elements that really keep your focus throughout the entire track. Like it's not trying too hard, you know. Yeah, and for me, it's just a track that. Yeah, it's just all about that space and that groove because without that space in the in the music, you can't have anywhere for that groove to actually like work its way around and sort of yeah. you know switch it up and establish things. Um, you know, and so for me, this track just really is able to maneuver around in such a nice way. And I I don't know, it just I've I've never gotten sick of this track. Um, I've loved it since the day I since the day I got it and. Yeah, seemingly never stopped playing it. Um, I mean, that, like that also just works at a lot of context too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, for sure. You can play that pretty much peak time. Like you could play that when you're building up, or you could play that kind of peak time depending on the context. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can you can mix it with houseier stuff. You could mix it with harder techno stuff. You can you can go a lot of places from into it. Um, so definitely like very versatile, uh, versatile DJ tool while also just being a great track. Yeah. I think, you know, it's the time frame. Uh-huh. So, like, there's a lot of big room clubs. Every, I mean, every club was a big room. Even Paradise right. Garage. Every, everything in 1990 was big. So these guys were, like, referencing their music or, you know, imagining everything being played, let's say, like, in Bergheim today. Right. But, you know, like, big sound. big And, like, you know, how to move the room, you know, some mm-hmm. keys here, some sounds, some elements, and how would it just drive it? Like, I think that, you know, that's the thought process that was going in behind a lot of this stuff. Yeah. There's no 303 on this track, is there? Not on, no, I don't think there is on this one. If, if okay. I mean, you never know, there could be, but. What did you say, Katie? Uh, if there was 303 on this track. Oh. I didn't, what? yeah, I didn't listen to enough of it. I yeah, you know, know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there isn't on this one. Um, the lead, the lead sounds like a SH101 to me, but yeah, it could, could be Pro 1. It's definitely just, you know, kind of a standard uh, standard monosynth. Yeah. What is Pro 1 again? Sequential it, circuits. Yeah, it's kind of, it looks a lot like a SH101, kind of does the same thing. Yeah, it's a two, oh, two, uh, two, 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 two oscillator, two oscillator uh, monosynth with a built-in sequencer that works similar to the 101. It's a little uh, bit beefier than the 101. I think it's actually a little thinner sounding. It has a really weird sound. Um, wasn't it uh, Dave Smith's? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah a, gr- a great synth. Um, also, the uh, Pro One's a synth on um, on Speak to Me, isn't it? Probably. I know Regis used it. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Although, I mean, a lot of his tracks were basically just Pro that. One. Like, yeah. I mean, that era, like whatever. I think like early the, Jeff Mills is Pro One. Probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on that. Yeah, before he got into the digital shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, very possible. I just read somewhere today that he's starting up Purpose Maker again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of rad. Yeah, sick. I mean, so, so also that that kind of uh, weirdly dovetails with the uh, with the Norman track, which I think does have a kind of like housey feel to it. Yeah, yeah the thing the, is, you know, like this sort of mid the 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 not tech house place in between techno and house. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You totally. know, the the place where it's techno but it has a bit of groove to it. And house, but it's got you know a bit more balls to it. Yeah, yeah. but the purpose maker stuff, the, the concept behind it, yeah, it's all samples. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's all it's all disco. There's nothing that's not a sample. I'm almost positive on it. So mm-hmm. like you know, it's how he would chop up all the. All well, the I, I, I think and, I think he's layering. Like I think there's nine or nine on some. No, of no, those no. Records, I don't mean like that. I'm talking about like at the core, they're yeah, all sample. Yeah. Like every track mm-hmm. is like based around a sample. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and built outwards. Yeah. And also, I mean, a lot of those purpose maker tracks have this sort of. A lot of tribal. Yeah, vibe. exactly. This sort of like Latin. It's thing. killer, man. Very. I love that. I love that stuff. I, I'm yeah, happy to see that. Best. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that shit is dope." I was yeah, like, "That's yeah. what we need right now." Yeah, totally. I mean, a, a few like singular projects, quite like Purpose Maker. I mean, because Axis was a singular project, but it you know it's quite a bit more expansive. But Purpose Maker was so dialed in, and you know had like a shorter lifespan, but just kind of like hit this one thing. I have know? a theory on it. What is that? He fucked up, right? So, like, he put out a track from somebody else impersonating him recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? So, it's like, now everybody caught up to him doing the alien shit, and now he's flipping it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, totally there, there, there might be something to that, for sure. For sure, man. He's yeah. going back to basics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mills, I mean, Mills is a bit of a contrarian at heart, for sure. So. Yeah, man. He's like, well, oh, yeah, you. I'll fix you. <laughs> just chilling down in Miami. Just No, he lives in Paris, I think. He was in Paris now? Yeah. I can't fucking keep track of Mills. Every <laughs> every year he's living somewhere new. It's Carmen San Diego. God bless him. I guess him. so. Uh, I mean, a patron man on the run. of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, should we talk about a, a different track? Yeah, what a... What? What, uh, Sean, what do you want to talk, what, what do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. I, th- I, thought, the, I thought we could talk about the, the Success in Effect track. Um, just keeping things on a on a kind of New York uh, yeah. focus. Let's do it. We got a success and effects. Uh, roll it up, and it's the uh, what's the mix? The bass and bass and uh, breaks mix or whatever. The bass power mix. Let's do it. Let the bass kick. Chris is still (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a jam. It's a jam. <laughs> so yeah, uh, killer track. Just to basically like they did the hugest fucking amen breakbeat in the world with some, uh, you know, some 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 choice uh, choicely deployed cliche samples. Um, uh, notable, I think, particularly because uh, it, well, it, the, the the Discogs page here uh, has an incredible incredible comment from from Mr. Frankie Bones. <laughs> Which, His Discogs dialogue is amazing. He, he, is, yes. he is a Discog superhero, my God. Wealth of information. Uh, dude, it's unbelievable. But uh, sh- should, sh- should we read it? Yeah, we yeah. can read some. I mean, we could summarize it. You know? Yeah, I mean, basically, like, like you know, uh, Frankie played this track um, in London. Or not, it was outside of London. In, in a rave in the UK. Um, in one of the first times he went over there. and uh, End of 1989, he says... So yeah, like uh, I, I think this is one of a good example of uh, of kind of one of those anti-canon secret history tracks, where uh, you know it, it it sheds kind of a whole new light on on the developments of 
of breaks and like bleep, bleep and breaks, as well as like what led into UK hardcore and jungle. Yeah, totally. Um, which you know, and not that Frankie was the only person playing that stuff over there, but um, or you know, not not that he would have been the only vector by which that music could have gotten there, but he was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, and I think you know that is one more way that you know kind of New York figures very importantly into the dialogue of the development of uh, of, of 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 you know European um, dance sure. musics. We, you know, uh, <clears throat> New York is always overlooked when it comes to the like yeah. you know the history of this stuff, right? And I tell people all the time, man, they're like, oh, you know, drum and bass started in the UK, and or. You know, dubstep is, you know, it's a, it's a UK thing or grime is UK. But I'm like, man, if you know the history, there's so much lineage in New York with the drum and bass and, and break scene. Like with with Soul Slinger and uh, the record shops that were down here, Breakbeat Science, mm -hmm. DB, yeah. Dara. These guys were from the beginning. They're not like, you know, after, after dudes. These were dudes from the ground up. Right. You know, and like... You know, it, it's, they're always overlooked. You'll never hear them talked about yeah. in the archives or the, or the stuff that was going on with Soul Slinger or any of these people. Like Liquid Sky, that's the name of the record shop. You know, these people are always overlooked. Yeah, yeah t totally. You know, and and they really paved the way. It's it's ironic that you, you pulled this up. Here, pull, pull this a little bit closer. Oh, yeah. So, so I always talk about this, right? One of the biggest... Like or like one of the most like techno records that is always considered like one of the quintessential first is the Cybertron Clear record, right? Right. So look, it just happens to be here. So this is 1983, right? You play it. We all know this record. Ready? One, two, three, four. We all know this record, and it's always considered one of the first techno records ever. But how come no one ever talks about this? Yeah, sure. Africa Mambada, 1982, the year before. Where's the dub version of this? Planet Rock. Planet Rock. I mean, people definitely talk about Planet Rock. It's not like it's not like no one. You know, these records, man, all influenced one another. Yeah. You know, this came out first. And you'll never hear that African Mambada was techno, but you'll always hear clear Cybertron's a techno record. Well, the thing is, it was, uh, the you know, back in especially that period of the early 80s, that was when hip-hop, electro, all these early things that became techno, it was all the same. Yeah. And there was this, like, awesome, like, thing where people were just kind of doing everything from, you know, whatever, like... You know, Mantronics to yeah to Juan Atkins and shit. Like it was all just kind of this one spread. Yeah, conglomerate. And then everything kind of like split off. But here in New York, that shit was like 
super. It it was the it same. It was all the same. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it was all the same mm. for sure, man. Uh, like also with like like high energy and new wave stuff. That yeah, in there too. Like if you can find like I mean this one we won't do this for now, but if people out there really care about this and they care about like the origins, you know, and you you don't get stuck on a fucking coffee top book because all I see is right. young people regurgitating nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Chicago started in, uh, house music started in Chicago. Lies. You know, Detroit started, you know, techno. There was a movement happening and and it was all being fed all over the place, you yeah. know. Maybe maybe Derek May coined the, t- the term or someone in Chicago coined the term. Coining the term doesn't mean you invented that style. It's like it's such a big thing for young people right now. It's like they're holding on to it instead of like learning about it and like understanding the the whole broad spectrum of of this music. It goes way deeper than what's being told on those coffee or, top books. Or just like seeing things from a more like communal like ground up perspective of like a bunch of people working towards a common thing. Because like one example being a couple of years ago when that Taranji Singh. Uh, Acid House record came out, right. and all of the press about it was like, "Oh, never mind. No, like fuck future. Like actually, this guy invented. He invented it. He invented Acid yeah. House in 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 uh, you know Mumbai in 1981 or something. Right. And it's yeah. like he made a really cool fucking record. I love it. But like, let's not forget that like, no, Acid House is like it's not just this thing. It's like a whole movement of people. It's a yeah. whole community. It's a whole like it's a club. It's a it's a people. It's a location. Well, that, yeah, that was that was the the point I was about to make earlier. Is that like like while like while certainly like the roots of electro and techno, a lot of them come from New York. Like let's not let's let's not try to say that like like the Belleville Three and especially much later, um, you know, uh, UR and uh, and Mills and Hood. Um, uh, let's not let's not like downplay those those. Uh, no, I'm not. Those what what, what like, I'm saying is the, is ge- the geographic specificity of that of of that music. Is something that's real and important, like like yeah. like the scenes, the physical scenes and and communities that were developed around those uh, those sounds. That 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 in, that in and of itself is 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 worth. Right, uh, but what I'm saying is, worth, it, I'm not saying that uh, it started in New York. I'm saying that there was a movement happening yeah. in yeah, music yeah. <clears throat> collectively, and it gets and it was being that, that that was feeding each other. Yeah, like first of all, the Bel- the Belleville, whatever they're called, those motherfuckers are full of shit. <laughs> Kevin Saunderson is from Brooklyn. First of all, he's from Brooklyn. Are we getting into Kevin Saunderson yet? Because I got I got in trouble on the first episode for a no. little for taking a little jab at Kevin Saunderson, and everyone came out at me. You know, I'm being serious. He's yeah, from yeah. he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, and like he wants to like t- try to convince young people that big uh, what's a big fun. Good yeah. Life and Big Fun are right. techno records. Bullshit. Those aren't fucking techno records. He was making freestyle tracks or club, yeah, yeah, yeah. club music at <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just, yeah, it's New York club music. New, yeah, exactly. New York club music. You know, the um, dude's from New York. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to make club music, you know? Like, that's all he was doing. He was making big room club music that wanted to be played on the radio, and it was played on the radio. I remember yeah. it. I remember when the records came out. I remember clearly it being played in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, he achieved what he wanted. I think the record came out on Atlantic. You know? Yeah, it did. It so, did, like, like let's not stop pretending. Like, like there's a revisionist history. That's what's going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think I think like again something we've talked about a little bit, but um, you know, I think the the, the real radical formal breaks that occur within the, within the Detroit, you know, uh, lineage, uh, they really don't strike until you are most especially 
until you get to Mills and Hood's solo work. I, and I then, think, and and then you're into something totally different yeah. that really only could have come from Detroit. Really only could have come from those people. Well, I don't know if it context. can only come in. That, that, that's a little far fetched. That's a little because Beltram was doing it too, and and we, we, well, we don't want to. I, 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 I mean, I, that definitely is not to downplay Beltram. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not. I do always like me personally. I look at like a, a, a techno timeline, like techno as we know it today, as mm-hmm. we make it in like these loop sequences. I always credit the work of like what's the name of that project X one hundred and one or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's like where it started. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the reality. You know what I mean? Like that kind of like, but the stuff that that's not the stuff that's ever credited as the beginning of techno. Right. It's like Sharivari. That's a disco record. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's some kids ripping off record. ripping off Kano. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, it's a sick track. It's a but, sick track. I'm not down. Like, yeah, yeah. All this, even like I said before about Good Life or, or Big Big great Fun. Tracks. Those are great records. Yeah. yeah, Like I'm not dissing the music. I think the music is amazing. But let's not re- rewrite history. Yeah, you weren't totally. making a techno record. You were making club music. Yeah, yeah. You totally. know, and I, I've seen interviews where like now, like you know. You know, obviously they get credited for all this. So, you know, now he the, the story's different. You know, and I, yeah. I've seen it. Oh, we were trying to make techno, and no, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were you were just making you were making the music you you could make with the with the tools you had at yeah. hand. I, I mean, like you wanted big... to make you wanted to make music that people were played like played to played in clubs. Yeah, he wanted Jelly Bean Benita to play that record. Yes. You can't <laughs> tell me differently. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. That's a fact. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're absolutely right. You know, and like, and uh, or um, Derek May. Derek May made like records that were probably the ones that were closest to like what later became techno. Te- like Nude Photo is a pretty mm-hmm. techno, you know, what record. A, like what a, about Strings of Life? That's a house record to me, man. Yeah. That's how I, f- I, I feel yeah. about it. I mean, it's a beautiful record. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible. But it's just very different from what, you know, like you're saying, it, it, it's very different from what comes out after X101, after, you know, we did our first episode on the first two Mills uh, records on, on the, the, the solo ones, the right. waveform right. transmissions. On, the ones uh, on uh, Trezor. On Trezor, yeah. Um, and that is really where you see, like, the very stark new ground of techno really kind of bulge out yeah. and really start to you know, assert itself as this like very different thing and something that for in in many ways is basically unchanged to yeah. this day. I mean to me, the most important techno record is probably Minimal Nation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean basically those two Mills albums and then Hood's Minimal Nation and Internal Empire. Um those just really sketch out something completely different. Yeah. Um they lay the basis for uh, you know, basic channel would basically take this up a year later and start to run with it. For um, sure. You know, they they lay the basis for all of the things that, you know, they are really the source of. I I I'd, I'd throw the first uh, whatever X number of access records in there too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, shall we uh, listen to another record? Keep it moving. I'll keep it on your. I'll keep it in line with what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you what do you want to talk about? I guess sine wave number one. Oh hell yeah! Nice morph. F- yeah, very first sine wave. It's called Stormwatch. Morph was Damon Wild and Dennis right? Ferrer. Yeah. <clears throat> Pew. 
Yeah, it's totally sick. And the story goes, so you, you see it's Dennis Ferrer. Dennis yeah, Ferrer's yeah. like a legendary house producer. Yeah. The story goes that Dennis Ferrer, Sumner, Damon Wilde, Kerry Chandler all worked at Rogue Music. Okay. In the early 90s, and they all became friends. And then Damon worked with, with Dennis on this record. I think this mm-hmm. is like the only techno track that Dennis made. And then like he went into his more yeah. stripped down house music, you know, like that real, like his early catalog is raw as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it just got, you know, as he got better as an engineer, it just became bigger and larger yeah. in life. But uh, yeah, man, these records are incredible. And it shows how, it shows the direct marriage between house techno, you know, because you have yeah. like the most prolific house artist and Dennis Ferrer. Yeah, totally. And and Damien Wilde, who was very, you know, musically prolific and what this catalog did yeah, for exactly. techno. And where else would they have been working together but New York? Yeah, um, at Rogue. <laughs> yeah. What a... What, what what this track just reminded me of uh, as well was the fact that Sine Wave is named after the uh, the Freddie Fresh track, um, and this track has this is, is ninety four is that right yeah ninety four ninety three because this has also very much a a vibe of the Midwest acid kind of stuff uh, yeah yeah you you hear the connection to like Freddie Fresh and Woody McBride in this track well I mean Woody McBride puts out records on Sine Wave just a couple catalog numbers yeah. after this you know <clears throat> as uh, ESP. Yeah, he did. I have, a, I have another one. Yeah. What, what, what else? Experiment. It's with an X. Carnival number 10. It's on, un, uh, it's on Underworld Records. The club or the dub? I don't remember. Just pl- hit play. Woo! Yeah. I This record. Yeah, this 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 record's totally new to me. Uh, I, I I don't think I know this one, but uh, I'm familiar with a lot of stuff on uh, on the label's catalog. Yeah, this catalog is ridiculous. A lot of this stuff is like borderline techno. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, no I, way, no way. You I would think say this is a house record. I think what it reminds me of most, I think uh, importantly, is it, it feels like a Chicago house record. Yeah, that too. I mean, this is 1987. And, right, right. Well, then that's to say, like, like. The dialogue between New York and Chicago was that was that that was going on. Yeah, totally. Um, this is uh, actually Tommy Musto. That okay. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It sounds kind of like uh, a little bit like Voodoo Ray to me, almost. Yeah, this might be pre. This is definitely pre. Yeah. Well, it is pretty pretty sure pre. Voodoo Ray's eighty-eight or nine, I think. Yeah, and then um, uh, on but this- that's definitely like the 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 palette of Chicagoy stuff that that. You know, the Voodoo Ray was trying to channel. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like on this label, there's a Pal Joey record under Earth People. I think it's called Reach Up Mars, Reach mm-hmm. Up to Mars. That's another one where yeah. it's like proto-techno. That one's right. sick. 
You know, it's sick mm-hmm. as fuck, man. And that was like 1989 or something like that. So, you know, these labels and, and and that's what I'm trying to say, like the timing and stuff like that. Yeah, this yeah. idea that it's like, it's this way and these people did this music and no one else did it around them and they invented right. it. It's not what was going on. Like, Let's talk uh, the the. You want to talk the the? Hell yeah. yeah. Let's talk the the. Katie, Katie might have a thing or two to, to say here. Yeah. I would think she would. What was the track? Uh, uh, this is the long one, right? Yeah, it's a long yeah, one. Giant. Yeah. Like, if I had to pick a single Desert Island song that I was going to listen to for the entire rest of my life, it would be The The Giant. I mean, it is it is just the best song in the, in the history of songs, as far as I'm concerned. Damn. I fucking love it. Um, and, like, it just, it just ties so much together for me. Like, it's got that sick fucking proto-electro beat. Like that goes off in the club. Uh, it's got that insane fucking breakdown that is like the mother of all breakdowns. Incredible. And I fucking love the lyrics. Like most times when I hear songs with lyrics, I don't really pay attention to them. I don't think about them. But every time I hear this song, I think about the lyrics. And, you know, that's this whole as, album. Soul mining is like a very yeah. like, and you can kind of dismiss it as like, like, I don't know. This is a day is like used in a bunch of like Eminem commercials and shit. Like, these I mean, days. I think the whole, the whole album but, is perfect, but that song is far and away the gem. Of when the I album. think about the title, like soul mining, like I, and I think about the kind of journey that Matt's, johnson's lyrics sort of take you on throughout the whole album um it really does it it circles back to the title yeah Uh, that's that's also a very contemporary anxiety too right where it's just about the disconnect between how we present ourselves and and uh and who we feel like we really are exactly Um, when's this record coming out on dark entries (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah probably any minute now um what i love too is that the drum on the breakdown are by jim thrillrell from fetus oh nice um because that the the original album the original lp in 83 actually came out on some bizarre yeah yeah that uk kind of like proto new wave industrial label Mm mm-hmm um, and the other thing I love about that track is that in 2014 or so, 
they reissued that uh, giant as a single with a DJ food cover on the flip side with Matt Johnson doing vocals again. Sick. So it's, 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 it's not even like a remix. It's like a recreation of the original track. And it's just, it's so fucking good. Mm. Food is dope. Yeah. For real. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the are really, it's such a weird project and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, again, somehow, uh, kind of, despite being a pretty big band, like weirdly underrated, like totally, absolutely, and also like the only people, the only people who, yeah, like the only people who talk about the the are like, well, like weird new wave freaks, yeah, like, um, but yeah, loser like, nerds like us. <laughs> I wasn't gonna quite go there, but yes, uh, loser nerds like us. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least we know who we are. Yeah, super sick project. Uh, I actually listened to. Uh, as as I as I often do, I was listening to a Baldelli mix in the, in the coffee shop the other day. This is not at Dunkin' Donuts. I was about to say, by coffee shop, do you mean Dunkin'? No, Donuts? no. This is this is the actual <laughs> coffee shop. When I go to Dunkin' Donuts, I I, I listen to the Dunkin' Bangers. I don't I, the Dunkin' I, Bangers. Uh, when I'm at a real coffee shop, I listen to real music. When I'm at Dunkin', I listen to Dunkin' Bangers. It's just the rule. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, just you and. But so I was. I was. I was listening to a Baldelli mix. Back to the important point, and uh, it, it was one of the ones he, he ends with uh, with uncertain smile. Oh fuck yeah! Um, which so he 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 plays it on the wrong speed. It sounds amazing. Oh wow! Oh, does he? On, on at least he he has. He, yeah, right. Does he switch the speed halfway through? <laughs> He's like, oh fuck! Ah, shit. <laughs> fuck. No, no, he he would never accidentally do that. That would be very calculated. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. Just, it, it, it does bizarre. <laughs> it does feel very calculated every time he does it. But That's I always okay. like to think that he fucked up. Um, he still does it. Yeah, he does for sure. Like I said, I've been seeing uh, new edits of his. He's coming resurfacing yeah, again. Yeah, on on like UK websites. Must need some money. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think there's a market for that for sure. Like, look at all the stuff that uh, Paulie's doing with Danny Crivet, all those Mr. K edits. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, they're selling out. So there's definitely a market for, for like, proper edits for sure. Yeah, well, we were talking about that with Doug two yep. episodes ago. Disco edits. The return of disco edits. Come back. They're coming back. I mean, there's some I edits would... I'm seeing that I'm just like, I can't believe you're even labeling this an edit. That's a disgrace to me. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you're just putting this new, you know. The old, yeah, like, like there was one, it was like a freestyle track. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe Shannon or something like something that. Something super like, obvious. Yeah, something super obvious. It was like the entire track. <laughs> like what, you, what? What's the edit? Like nothing chopped, nothing moved around. It was just like they added an extra eight oh eight kick drum. Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they a made hi, it hi hat. Yeah, they made it twenty nineteen accessible. Yeah. You know, you just need to add a little compression to it. And yeah, right. Quantize. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, clean it up. Clean up all those rough parts that we don't like in techno. That's these days. right. That's right. That's crazy. Any of the coloring outside of the lines, we do not want. You know, <laughs> you those rough parts it. that give it character and intrigue, and uh, you know. Humanity. A humanity, yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys are so jaded. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you miserable, nah, 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 nah. miserable, miserable <laughs> human beings. <laughs> I'm the oldest guy in the room, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> well, that's why we like to get a fresh, young perspective on the show. And... <laughs> you guys, man. That's right. I gotta that's slap right. some sense into you, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks Tony. for having me, man. This is great. Time. Yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. Um, this has been uh, Basecamp Beta uh, coming to you, recording from Control. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. All right, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Catch, catch, catch you next week. Yeah. Holla at your boy. Thank you.